0: Jolt With Larry Flick on Sirius XMLQ. Brandon Flowers. God, that song is good. We haven't heard that in a couple weeks. Feels good. I can change. And yes, that is a sample of Small Town Boy by Bronski Beat in there. It's five minutes past the hour on this Wednesday morning, September 2nd. You're listening to The Jolt on Sirius XMLQ. Still ahead this morning, a special studio performance by our friend, Leona Lewis. Uh, Right now, speaking of friends, we're delighted to welcome back to the studio one of our favorite guys, James Lassine.
1: Hello there. Hello, Larry. Nice to be here. You're
0: very frisky for nine o'clock in the morning. Most people come in, I'm so tired. Are you a morning guy?
1: I'm happy to see you and I'm excited to be on the show. Oh, you're so cute. Are you a
0: morning guy, though?
1: Uh, well, I get up every morning. You seem
0: like a morning person. <laughs> like You seem like you actually function very nicely in the morning.
1: Well, you know, I um, I, I try, let's put it that way. That's and, good. And, you know, performing at night, uh, a little less so. Yeah. That's, know?
0: I think, why I'm so surprised you're so, you're kind of like rabbiting around because I'm thinking, hey, are you tired?
1: <laughs> well, it's not like I lie around eating bonbons in bed in the morning. You know, you <laughs> wake up and get ready and go out into the day.
0: Well, James Lassine is uh, in a limited engagement one-man show uh, at the uh, West Side Theater uh, off Broadway here in New York. It's running through October 4th. It's called The Absolute Brightness of Leonard Telke. And um, I got to watch it. I got to go see it last week. And um, I was surprised, very, very, very surprised, because... um, most one-person shows tend to be autobiographical. They don't tend to be character studies. They tend to be, um, this is what I've lived through. Let me tell you about it. And I love those kind of shows. I actually really enjoy those kind of shows. Um, and that was one of the reasons why, because I wanted to show Sight Unseen, if you if you will. I didn't know anything about it, uh, and I I prefer to do that. So, and that's one of the reasons why I told you. Didn't want to tell you what night I was going, and I sat in the back because I didn't want like I said to you off I didn't want to pull attention to myself. I was really, really fascinated by the fact that you didn't take that route that you actually play a very clearly delineated character that it's it's really is a multi layered piece it just happens to have one player in it,
1: mm. And many characters. Many characters.
0: Yeah. Many, many characters. So, None uh, of them me.
1: None of them you. <laughs> Far from me, actually. None of them
0: you. And none of them Leonard. Hmm. Maybe. We don't yeah. want to give it away. but um,
1: Well, Leonard doesn't actually appear in the show. But um, I think that people, um, from what people tell me, is that they go away with a very clear idea of Leonard. Oh, you know who he is. In some way he's the clearest character in the You
0: you leave with a very you leave with a very uh sharp image of who Leonard is was might be. Mm.
1: Um well, it's just something that I feel like, you know, people um Sometimes people are defined by their absence, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the disappearance of a person. I mean, you know, the story is about a 14-year-old boy who disappears from a little New Jersey shore town. And it's in the course of actually trying to find Leonard that people begin to question who he is. And um, he gets clearer and clearer. And, and also their feelings toward him, towards him get clearer and clearer.
0: It's interesting in that uh, you you can accept, uh, you, you kind of receive the piece, y'all, um, in two ways. You receive it as exactly what you're handing us, which is the story of this person, this town, and the people around him. But you also, um, I found myself thinking about how people would talk about me. Hmm. What my life would look like if someone else was telling my story and if it, it was – if my life story was being told through the collection of insights from a lot of different people, it would probably be very different than my self-written one-man show. Mm. It, was very, it was very interesting to think about that. I've had a couple of really good conversations with friends who've seen the show about exactly that, we were
1: well, I think you know one of the things we did was we started this campaign called "Show Your Brightness," and you know the question uh, to, that we ask people is like, well, what's the thing that you, what's the thing that you leave behind? Like, what's the thing that you're bringing to the table? What's the th- what is it that about yourself that you think is the valuable part of yourself? Mm. You know?
0: So, um, why didn't you just write a show about yourself?
1: Because I'm not that interesting.
0: Everybody, usually the people who say they're not that interesting are either A, that interesting, or deep down think they are, but want to have have it pulled from them.
1: Well, let let me just say that, you know, um, as a person who is a storyteller and also that I, you know, I teach storytelling, and, and, you know, one of the things that I've discovered is that regardless of whether people are telling a strictly autobiographical story or whether they're telling a story that's encased in a fiction it's you're you're telling a story about yourself and I if, agree with if that. it's gonna work um, it has to be revealing in some way and there has to be something uh, something at stake right so though the absolute brightness of Leonard Pelkey is a story about a 14 year old kid and I'm, you know somewhere in New Jersey and these all these made up characters there's a I, there's a very deep part of it which i think is really about me and i think it's the part that other people connect to and that is that i think there's a part of all of us that it goes unseen right that we we feel like we're not really recognized in some way like especially as an adolescent when you're growing up and you feel like people kind of miss the most important part of you, right? Mm. And I think all of us have that um, part in us where we were told when we were 12, 13, 14, tone it down. Like, you know, I mean, even straight boys, you know, there's a period where they're all like, ah! you know? And yeah. Then, and then suddenly somebody says, hey, that's just not the way to be. And, you know, I think that, you know for Leonard Pelkey he was a he is a very flamboyant character that everyone in the town is worried about and they're worried about what's going to happen to him because he's so unabashedly himself right and i think we all have go through that period in our lives when we're told to like tone it down and i i know i certainly did
0: so so interesting because um i i watched it and i kept thinking this kid is was probably going to be just fine, mm. and it was the you know it's sort of the same thing you often or I should say the same thing I often find myself feeling, which is, um, kids are good until they are parented or mm. until they are to or until they are in any kind of uh, deep contact with someone who's older, because they first have to process the baggage that they're having thrown upon them
1: well I think one of the reasons why I wanted to tell this story was because I was I just I feel like people really wanted I wanted to have conversation with adults about what their responsibility is toward not just LGBT kids but towards all kids Mm. like how does the community look out for kids who are different how do they accept them and let them know they're okay um how do they really protect them from some of the dangers that might be out there when you're, like, sort of too much yourself, you know? So that was one thing. But, you know, it's it's interesting you brought this up because um, I have a friend who is a, you know, pretty uh, staunch advocate of gay rights and out there fighting the fight. And after the show, he said to me, you know, seeing the show, it made me realize that I'm a little homophobic because I think that if I had encountered somebody like Leonard I'd be like really do you have to be that way mm-hmm. you know like do you, is is that a, is that a good idea you know so he even felt that kind of internalized homophobia
0: well we we often have more of that than we're ever willing to admit
1: yeah and I was I thought it was amazingly brave of him to admit it I to me I think so too
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely again that's James Lacine joining us here on the jolt we're going to continue chatting with him and this uh, really re- it's remarkable new uh, new piece, uh the Result. You know, we talk about whether or not Madonna is still relevant and what does she have to say? Why is she jumping around the way she does? There are actually some remarkably beautiful songs on her most recent album, starting with that one, the title cut, I Rebel know, Heart. I just,
1: so funny, I... I just said, who Who was that singing? I it just feel Madonna. like I should have my gay card taken away. <laughs> Brand new Madonna. Yeah. I was so embarrassed. Sorry, Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> Not up on it.
0: Did 19 you past with? the hour. You're listening to The Jolt on SiriusXM OutQ. I'm Larry Flick. That is James Lacine, our very good friend, who is um gay. currently <laughs> oh <you know>, really <laughs> okay I didn't know that I'm not
1: gay enough to know who Madonna was I'm not gay enough
0: <laughs> it's a generational thing you know
1: that's um, what
0: you should know his new one man show is called one man play I should say <laughs> is called The Absolute Brightness of Leonard Pelkey it's in a limited engagement at um the West Side Theatre Off-Broadway it runs through October 4th and we've been talking about um uh, Leonard, uh, a fourteen-year-old uh, queer character whom we never really meet through any of the um, various incarnations and characterizations that uh, that James is uh, possessing and possessed by on stage, and which is a very, 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 very powerful choice. But I also think the choice, because you wrote the piece as well, the choice of the age fourteen is so. Specific as well, and and I love the fact that he's fourteen because I always think of fourteen as being the last acceptable year to be whoever you are mm. before well, you have to be grown.
1: Yeah, well, it's usually so uh, not for everybody, but it's also um, it's it's just right before you discover sex. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. Not just you know. I mean, it's really when. That takes over in a in a really big way for young people, or certainly did for me. It's a, it was it
0: was I think about fourteen. It was a pivotal time, and, and whenever I talk to people, you know, you you often joke about like, what age are you really deep down? I always say I'm fourteen because mm. it's really the last year of freedom, don't you think?
1: Yeah, well, it was for me certainly. I I I just feel like it's it, it's you know it's the last year that you are not. Defining yourself in relationship to other people, right? Yeah. Like where you still think like, hey, maybe this is like, because I I remember 14 was really when I went into high school and understood that not everyone talked with a New Jersey accent Mm. um, because I sort of went away to school and I suddenly, oh my God, not everyone, not everyone talks like that. (laughs) And and I better cut it out.
0: I know. I remember. I remember that as well. Um, But this, you know, it's funny because something came to mind yesterday. I was talking with um, with Elle Fanning. We're going to be sharing that interview very shortly. She's uh, in a movie called About Ray. It's the story of a transgender teenager. It's a remarkable movie that opens on September eighteenth, y'all. And she's seventeen. And I kept marveling to her about the ease with which she played this character. Mm. And she started to get a little, I don't want to say agitated, but she said, she finally just said to me, Why is this so shocking to you? And I said, Because I'm from a generation where that's a big deal. And it's still a big deal, isn't it? She goes, Not to teenagers now. Mm. And I said, Really? she goes, I go to public high school. There are many, and this is her word, many transgender kids in my class. And I said, how's that possible? And she goes, it's possible.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of the things that from, you know, my experience with the Trevor Project, um, I just, I want to just say to people, oh my God, you have no idea. There's this huge wave right. that's coming and there are kids who are who have transitioned already mm-hmm. at you know 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and you know the Trevor project which as you know is the suicide prevention and crisis intervention lifeline for lgbt and questioning teens um you know th- there's so many calls from kids who are in the, in the process of that transition and i think oh my god there's i i just think the people who are upset about you know marriage equality <laughs> they have no idea what's coming down the so pike.
0: the reason why i'm i'm i'm, I'm sharing this and uh, to build toward a question of this piece is this piece sort of like a a, a time capsule of what will ultimately be a bygone experience for a 14 year old
1: you know i think um to a certain extent yes but I also think that one of the things that, um, n- n- for me, that makes the piece interesting and, you know, I'm putting quotation marks around it, timeless, is that it's really about all 14-year-olds. Right. It's, it's not just about, it's not about sexuality, it's not about, it's about identity, mm-hmm. and it's about um, being able to express your authentic self. And I think that that's something that's never going to go away. In fact, I think it's something that's becoming more and more essential to figure out um, how to be able to take care of these kids. Yeah. How and and especially the ones who are more authentically themselves or more um, audaciously themselves. But it's it's so
0: interesting to consider a future where more kids than not will be okay with whoever they turn out to be because the folks who might have given them a problem are dying off.
1: Yeah, but I think that there will always be people who have a problem with somebody, and especially young people. I think that that's the, that is the job of young people is to kind of bring us into the new.
0: Yeah. And
1: there's there is an army of people who don't like new. I mean, they're and they they are never. I mean, they'll always be fresh. <laughs> I see. Just I like the kids will always be see, fresh. See, <laughs> I
0: think you're right as well. And and one of the things, and I can't wait for y'all to hear this conversation that Elle and I had. Um, I kept asking her. I, I think I asked her three different ways. Are you worried that at seventeen right now you will not be the same at twenty seven? And she swore I will be the same. And I said, Well, first of all, life demands that you not be, because you will have experience. I said, but I worry for the same reasons why, and I mentioned this play to her, I said, for the same reasons why this this, this kid in some way existed in many different ways around the world, once you kind of face the ugliness of others, the idealism that you're talking about, has a it has a harder road to survive
1: yeah but um you know i think it's uh incumbent on us all to sort of keep that idealized idealism alive mm. right and it's possible i mean it's possible
0: how do you keep it alive
1: hanging out with young people yeah <laughs> talking to them listening to them um I find that, I mean, she's a perfect example, though I didn't have this conversation and I look forward to hearing it. I just think, you know, young people have an amazing optimism about what's coming. And it that's not our, like, that's not our, it's not our world.
0: It really isn't.
1: They're going to create a world that I can't even imagine. I know. I mean, I, recently I was sitting in a room with the Youth Advisory Council of the Trevor Project, right? These are a group of kids. They're 16 to 22. They come to New York once a year. There are 20 of them. And they help the Trevor Project understand how to speak to kids, right? And we train them to be leaders. It's a kind of exchange program. And I, I was looking around the room at this most diverse, gender-bent uh racially diverse, like age diverse. And I just thought, I could never have imagined that these kids would exist. I And I told them, I said, it's beyond, like m- when I was s- your age, never imagined that this world would, yeah. would be, uh, n- no way. Seeing these, you know, young people who are like, who, how? <laughs> how and that did was, that happen? It's remarkable.
0: It's remarkable. So
1: I just, I encourage them. To say, you know, to understand that there's some world that's going to come into being that they, even they, can't even imagine. Mm. So I think one of the things is to listen to those young people and um, understand that I don't know that that's that kind of idealism is alive and well. But it's not. Al- it's not often in the older people, sadly. <laughs> it isn't.
0: It isn't. It's fascinating. It's fascinating and exciting and a little frustrating yeah sometimes yeah um and embittering because you know why now why not then but you know times happen and times move at the rate that which they need to
1: and you can count on young people to change it i hope so
0: i think you're right <laughs> i think you're right um that again is james listening joining us here now as you know he uh, co-founded the trevor project um and here's, here's some, something that I was also wondering as I watched the piece. So much of your life has been um, absorbed by the mission of saving the lives of kids. You're a creative, you're a writer, you're an actor, you're a director, you've you know, done many amazing creative things, um I knew I know as someone who is friends with you that it was important that you have um a spe- you know that you have your special creative endeavors. I have to tell you that I anticipated this not being even remotely close to a Trevor like topic. Why? Why 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 didn't you write about I don't know
1: anything other than this? Um you mean that you were surprised that it was so close to trevor
0: I'm surprised that that you didn't take a time out from your activism in your creativity <laughs> um because i've because because i I received this piece as a creative endeavor, but I also receive it as an act as a piece of activism
1: mm. well, you know I don't see them as separate. I think that art is activism you know um I mean I think it was eve Ensler who coined the phrase um, artivism. And, you know, like, that's just what we do. Mm. You know, that's, uh, it's, and it's not like, it's a funny thing with making art. It's not like you sit around and kind of go like, what would be the perfect thing for my career? You know, it's basically, you get an an assignment. It comes to you, you know, or that's at least how it is for me. Like, I'm like, what? You know, as you know, I wrote this book, in 2008, uh, Absolute Brightness. And it was a young adult novel. And I wrote it before all of this stuff with, you know, bullying and It Gets Better and all that stuff. It came out because I felt like I wanted to talk to young people about this idea of being your authentic self. But then suddenly I thought, well, we need to talk to adults about this. That's really who we need to talk to. And so it really came out of that. And, and I just, I wanted to get back on stage and do a solo show. And um, it seemed like the material was there. And I kind of got the assignment. It sort of came to me and I started hearing the voices, <laughs> which makes me sound like an insane person. No, it, but, sounds, it uh, sounds exactly as
0: I hoped it would sound. I just, I wonder if you ever um, hope that different voices will call.
1: But it, they do. They do. I mean, you know, I'm here talking about this, but there are other things that I'm working on. There are other things that I have worked on. Um, and I think that you're implying a little bit that somehow activism is exhausting. and that it's- No, not
0: at all. Just that I think, you know what it is? I am very used to talking to people who do what you do, who inevitably during a conversation like this, will say, what I really want to do is the exact opposite of this. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that's, that is a, a pretty much a moment, and, an exchange that I have with most people who do what you do as a creative, you know, as a writer, an actor, a director. Um, and so I'm kind of fascinated by the fact
1: that you're not saying that. No. I don't think... I mean... Uh, No, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. And it's, you know, I'm so grateful to be in this run of this show. Um, The show's also going to go on to Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, Toronto, Boston. How exciting. DC, London. So we're going to, once we're finished in New York, we're going to take it on the road. And I'm really excited about bringing it to other places and, you know, maybe a few places that are not so... um, Open to this idea hmm. you know? um I, I'm curious about that experience too
0: do you ever um envision quantifying the lives of people who survive and age do you ever are you ever inspired by by the generations
1: that have passed and when you say generations you mean gay
0: yeah or any person, any generation. Yeah.
1: Well, I think in the show I play a number of older people right. who, um, you know, I play a few, a couple of them who are older and who've had to change in some way, and who are changed by this event of the, that happens within the play. Um, yeah. So absolutely. But I'm, um, you know, like I said, you you kind of get the assignment and you kind of. Does try to never, do
0: your best. Does that that kind of view and experience? Is that
1: scary? What do you mean view and experience?
0: That the the, the view that you you get the assignment as opposed to <laughs> I know it sounds a being little count- <laughs> No, it doesn't it sounds messianic. No, it doesn't at all. Actually, I think it sounds amazing. But it sounds like you're at the whim of something that you can't control. And so that sounds frightening.
1: Well, I think the part you can control is the work. That's that's where the that's where the control is. You know, like I'm just going to make this good. I'm going to make this funny. I'm going to kill. So do you trust <laughs> that it's always going to come? Um, I'd like to say yes, but that's only because I'm on the radio. <laughs> but, uh, when I'm at home and there are those in between times yeah because I, how
0: long how long do you go how long have you gone between quote assignments where you where you've been just overcome with inspiration and voices and names and things start to show themselves how long have you gone between
1: that those two you know that experience well you know i i, I mean you're you're always like you're always out there working Right, Like you're always out in the field working somehow, like trying to find work or creating something at home or just trying to make a living, yeah, I mean, and occasionally, maybe once every ten years something blossoms incredibly, like like you just go like, "Oh my God, that's amazing, like this show happened in one year, like I did a reading of it last year in Provincetown as a part of this it's called the Afterglow Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens in, uh, right after Labor Day. And, you know, from there, it, I came to New York. I did it at Dixon Place. Um, I did a short run of it. And then, you know, we moved it to Off-Broadway. That rarely happens, things so fast. Um, so, you know, that was a real surprise for me. And when it happens, you just celebrate it. The rest of the time, you're just working. And now, you know, I'm now that I'm I'm performing every night, it's complete total joy, but I spend my day um uh, when I'm not on the radio uh working on new things, other things with a lot of hope and a lot of, you know, God, I hope this works. I hope this pays the bills. I hope this You're you know.
0: a very trusting person.
1: You are. Well, what's the alternative? <laughs>
0: I don't know, but I would describe myself <laughs> as that. <laughs> I guess a, a madness and, and being driven mad by the fear. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I think I, what I'm hearing from you is that you trust that because you work because you know that what you're doing, you know, when you're trying to you know, make the bills and all that, there's, you, you, there's one, there are two ways to do it. You can either do it in a way that says, this is my life. Or you can do is say, this is what I'm doing until I get the assignment. I'm just hoping, yeah. I would be like, where's that assignment? Where is oh, oh, yeah. You know what and, I mean?
1: And believe me, I am. I'm like, you know. It's sort of like
0: when they say, you'll meet someone when you're not looking. Okay, so here I am, <laughs> not looking. Yeah, right? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, look, I, I think it really comes down to something. And this is something that I always uh, – Say to to young people, which is it's it's the hardest thing to understand, especially when you're young, which is to trust your life, hmm. like to really trust your life that it's that it is, that it is, you know that it has a it has a really smart brain.
0: How did you know how to do that? How did you when when did well, you know I'm to really do that? I'm really old. <laughs> but when did you know when to do that? I think people you know what, at any age, you know it's so great Larry, I' still you, trying to ask this ask that question and get an answer. you
1: know what's so great for me? Just happened really the past this past month. I was like, oh my God, when I was a little queen growing up in New Jersey mm-hmm. at a time when homosexuality was a sin because I was you know raised Catholic, so it was a mort it was like a sin, mortal sin but, um it was a mental disease it was a mental illness up until you know i was in high school and it was a crime and i thought how does anybody survive that on that you're being told this day and night from every corner right and you and everything in society is telling you that it is wrong and bad and i knew that wasn't true and it only occurred to me this past month i thought oh my god I was right it was it's not a sin it's not a mental illness and it's not a crime I knew that in my in my heart I knew that nobody could tell me that what that my love as a little (laughs) little gay running around just expressing himself nobody could tell me that my love was evil like nobody's gonna do that and I didn't go around announcing that at, you know, 14. I kept that to myself. But I, honestly, this month, I suddenly went, oh, my God, I knew that, too. I, I was right. Mm. And I think that there are other things that, you know, kids know that have they have access to about themselves and about... Um, they're not always right. Like, you know, I, I you know... <laughs> Especially, you know, we all know teenagers have crazy ideas, but they're designed to have crazy ideas. Well, that's where
0: you—that's where the good ideas from where they come eventually. Yeah, they're, they're learning how to f- uh, hone them into something. Yeah,
1: their brains are constructed in order for them to, you know, take risks and do yeah. outrageously stupid things, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the way their brains are constructed. But th- there, there's something I think that I that everybody has um, when they're really young that you just you kind of know these things are right. You too, you you knew these things like you knew. You know, it's funny as
0: you're as you're talking. I'm thinking, you know, when I was 14, I knew that I was here to be different and to do something important. I just didn't know if I believed that anyone would ever see or allow me to.
1: Yeah, and that's where trusting one's life to understand that that thought that we have. Wait a minute, I'm here to do something. That's 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 for real. It is for real. That's the only real thing there is. Yeah. The rest of it's all like madness.
0: (laughs) But when you're 14, it's hard to kind of stay possessed by that. Yes,
1: and that's our job, is to be able to encourage young people to trust that thing, which is their life. Right?
0: So who encouraged you? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Dead air. <laughs> was it? Was it? Did, was it completely self self uh, motivation?
1: You know, I think there were people who came along at particular moments. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day about this this teacher that I had when I was uh, fifteen. He was an English teacher I had, and he was the person who made me understand that i knew more than i thought i did about um uh writing like and story like he just he just recognized me he saw me and um he gave me a kind of confidence very quietly you know he wasn't like somebody who was like you go for it he, nothing like that he was just somebody who saw me. He he saw me. He recognized me. He was like, you could do this, you know. And um, he wasn't easy. somebody easily impressed. So that made a big difference. And, you know, there are people, when I discovered the theater, um, when I was, you know, 15 years old, the theater really saved my life because there were people there, other actors and directors and people who just recognized my value um, as a, a person you know not even as a talent but as a um, they just recognized me as a person hmm. and that made an enormous difference you know and it, it gave me a way out um, I, I just found the people in the theater were like well, first of all they were gay there were <laughs> <laughs> many of them were and <laughs> and also they were alive you know they were alive they were alive to the possibilities and um and i think as you know a kid who was surrounded by a lot of people who weren't alive to possibility that made a big difference it's like i found my tribe
0: it's a great feeling when you do that too isn't it
1: oh my gosh it's, it's and it's essential
0: yeah it's a really really important moment um one, I, 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 I have to let you move, go on to with your day, but I, I <laughs> dying to know now. But I have one more question: Who was like that gay person, the first cool gay person you knew? We all have that one person, you know, who who you go, if I could be like him or her, mm. I'll be okay.
1: Um, when I was uh fifteen. I met you know I went to this I worked at this little summer stock theater on the Jersey Shore and I met all these actors and this director um, who you know and then I would get on the bus from my New Jersey home during my school here and without my parents knowing it I would come into New York and I would see their lives and I was amazed I was amazed that they had these very um, active adult lives and some of them were gay and um, some of them were not. But they were all my sort of role models in terms of understanding that I could have a life that didn't bear any resemblance to my family and um, they were my tribe, you know. And I think this is really what... um, young people, adolescents, it's, you know, someday we'll have a big conversation about the adolescent brain, which I'm completely fascinated by. But the brain is actually constructed during those years to make you move out beyond your locale and your tri- your home tribe to find your other tribe. It's actually, like, neurologically constructed to do that. So I think, for me, I was able to... Um, really, like, find some other like-minded people who basically told me that I was okay and that I would find my way and they would help me.
0: Well, that's a perfect place to leave it, James Lecine. You can see him up until October 4th uh, here in New York City at Off-Broadway's West Side Theater in the absolute brightness of Leonard Pelkey. Where can they go to uh, keep track of the dates you'll be doing on the road?
1: Uh, the absolute brightness play dot
0: The absolute brightness
1: play and um, to be continued, Mister. It's good oh. to see you. It's wonderful to be here. We're going to take a little picture right here, though, <laughs> though it doesn't read on the on, on the radio. <laughs> hey. Hi. There you go. <laughs> Stick
0: around. There's more to come on the Jolt. Darling, darling.